Welcome to a new episode of the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. The new the voice new of voice success. success. We all want to feel successful and fulfilled in our lives, but that can be a bumpy road. Through the experiences, journeys and advice of our guests here on Big Idea Big Moves, we will help you get a jump start on experiencing and cultivating whole life success. Be ready to take notes. Every episode has action items that you can apply to your own life right away. Okay, let's get this started. I will now pass you over to the host of Big Idea Big Moves, Jamie Allison. Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, people just doing really cool things in their space. So we talk to CEOs, we talk to entrepreneurs, athletes, scientists, people that are really just making a big impact in their area. Find out a little bit about their story and their journey um, and see if there are some things that, uh, that you can take away as an audience member to be able to apply to your own lives. And I know we have one of those today. Really excited today about about having Aleem Danji. He's the president of Adidas Canada, where he's responsible for retail, e-commerce, wholesale business, um, and everything from business development and brand strategy to operations for both Adidas and Reebok across Canada. So uh, really cool there. Um, before that, um, which I know we're going to go into a little bit, is that he was the SVP of Global Talent and head of HR for Global Brands. Um, and he was recently recognized, I know, on the 100 Outstanding LGBTQ Plus Executives Role Model list, which is really cool as well. He's worked for other big brands, ones that are a little bit different than he's currently in, so places like TD Bank and City. Um, so really cool things to, to take a look there. Uh, I know it's been really crazy busy, I think, for you so far, but um, thanks, Alim, for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me, Jamie. I've, I've, I've uh, listened to some of the uh, other podcasts you've done, and it's great to be in, in such um, amazing company. Uh, well, so very fortunate for the invitation. I appreciate it. No problem at all. And, and thank you again for, for jumping in. I mean, we were talking just before we went on here about how um, you, you kind of jumped in as uh, in that president role in uh, at really at the start of something that has gone on for quite a while. So there's probably the challenge of that, but also how's it been even just going through this, uh, through a pandemic and having to transfer into a, a new role at that time? That's, that's a pretty important one. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know any leader out there that uh, can claim that this is not the, the toughest year to be a leader. Um, you know, when you're leading teams virtually uh, during a pandemic um, and there's no template available for that, it just requires different muscles to exercise. Um, and, and then changing jobs, uh, moving countries during that period certainly added complexity. Um, but uh, it's been actually a very seamless transition despite everything that's happening um, and uh, I have a fantastic team who, who's helping me on board over the last year so uh, I've, I've been quite lucky. Now, now the one thing that is a little bit different and and people I think would would find it both um, intriguing but also probably inspiring is that um, you have um, you've done a few things in your career that you can see where it's been a little more what not the traditional path I guess and and so I'll I'll say before that you were kind of in that HR type of role and and moved into the top leadership role uh, to a lot of people that might seem intuitive that talent right now especially is is, is so important but it's not necessarily uh, you don't see it tons as of yet and and maybe I'll just find out a little bit about you know how how did that work for you how did um how did you make sure that you were kind of ready for that next role and and you were an option i guess um being kind of that um, that talent kind of expert 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, throughout my career, um, I've had a passion for for people and influencing the agenda, the, the business strategy agenda, through making sure the best uh, people decisions are being made and there's the right culture for accelerating performance. Um, but I always found myself stepping outside of HR for brief periods and coming back to HR. So, you know, I stepped out the first time and, and worked in a finance uh, role. I, I went into an M&A type of role. Um, I, le- I went into operations, but always found myself coming back to HR. And, and I just feel that it's such an amazing um, opportunity to influence uh, how you can cultivate a high performance organization um, and and help businesses to excel. Uh, and now that I'm in in a, in a in a GM type of role, general management type of role, what I'm finding is all the capabilities I developed as an HR leader are exactly what I'm, um, uh, I guess, suppose stronger in and, and able to lean in in a more authentic way. Uh, so definitely complementary. And I'd love to see more HR leaders taking that uh, taking that transition. Um, you may have heard Lena Nair from um, um, Unilever, who was a CHRO there, just became CEO of Chanel. Um, and I've seen many more of those instances. So it, it actually bodes quite well that HR leaders have that opportunity to be, to be business leaders. What do you think has been kind of the, the barrier up till now um, in being able to do that, whether it's for from an HR capability standpoint, or is it more of a just, you know, whether or not... Um, the focus was there as much on, on senior leadership as, as it is maybe right now where, you know, people is such a huge impact because of the pandemic and all the things happening in the environment. What, what do you think has been the barrier in the past? I, I think partly mindset um, and more progressive companies have realized the importance of that HR leadership role and how they can actually have greater influence in an organization. But the mindset I've observed has shifted um, fairly uh, in the last two years um, with the pandemic, when you think about the topics that are at the board level are really around future of work, um, ESG, uh, social justice, um, digitization, uh, uh, because, uh, because e-com took off in so many businesses, it really flipped the way operating models um, needed to evolve. And, and so the, the role of HR leader and their teams I think was just propelled and um, many CEOs and leaders that I speak to have recognized that, that the critical role of HR in an organization. So I think that's created a, an open window and those that have business acumen, have that curiosity are able to, to jump into that, that space um, more readily. Yeah. And, and one of the other things I think that has really come, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a bit there and, and I know that your organization has really pushed that is, is kind of diversity and inclusion and, and those things. And, and maybe um, if you could talk to us a little bit about that and, um, but maybe I, I guess, how are, how are you making sure that it is, it is integrated, whatever you're doing at Adidas, you know, how do you make sure that it's not just a program that it's actually turns into the way things are, are being done? How's that working for, for your, from your leadership? Yeah, so, you know, we have, every organization has values and, 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 and cultural beliefs. For us, we are uh, grounded in what we call our three C's, um, creativity, confidence, and collaboration. And um, we've got so many proof points of how we bring that to life within the way we behave with each other as colleagues, what we celebrate, what we don't tolerate. Um, 
And then we've sharpened over the last couple of years uh, our investments in being a much more inclusive organization. And again, it's part of our DNA. When we when you think about um, our consumers and how we show up as a brand and what moments we celebrate, inclusivity is is you know woven woven in our fabric. Um, and so it's not a leap from how we how we show up internally um, versus how we show up externally. But it does take commitment. It does take um, a um, a drive for the leadership team to spend more time listening. And throughout the last couple of years, especially as the world has uh, woken up to social justice uh, more so in, 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 in a positive way, um, we've spent a lot of time listening to our to our teams and understanding what their lived experiences. And then we're responding with programs, policies. Um, investments internally and externally. And I think that's what's creating the drive uh, for, for inclusion. Well, and, and you've mentioned there the last couple of years in particular, it's it's been out there. And uh, I would say, um, you know, I, I, I think in sports in particular, and a lot of specific sports, you know, there's, it's it's been a little bit slower to change around culture and, and some of those things. Have you, um, have you seen change kind of happening from that outside of kind of your company and, and what's happening in, in sports in general? And, and um, do you have any thoughts on kind of what will help, um, help maybe move that along a little faster? Like how do you, how do you make some real change in, in some areas? And I would say some sports that, that really the culture has to change pretty considerably. Yeah. Uh, so I have seen some change. Um, I think, you know, we, we certainly want to see, change faster and um, break down some of the systemic barriers. Um, there are athletes that I speak to on a regular basis that are uh, from the BIPOC community. And um, someone myself, uh, you know, shares an experience where when you're, when you're growing up in a perhaps underprivileged um, area and you don't have the wealth in family, yeah. um, having the resources, for example, to, to play hockey or, equestrian or sports that require more funding yeah. are systemically biased against those communities. And so I think breaking those barriers and helping people to discover new sports and different sports is, is really important. I'm seeing more uh, action from large companies and helping to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we still have a long way to go to create greater inclusion. Um, and uh, I, I would say, you know, brands like Adidas are, helping to change the game um, and investments that they're making in product for, for, for example, for women to be um, more comfortable and have the right type of um, kit to, to, to play sport helps to raise confidence and let them be better athletes. Um, so breaking barriers is, is a big part of the agenda that, that we, are, we are helping to lead. Now you've also done, um, you know, executive roles, and you've 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 traveled a lot with your, you know, in in different countries. Do you see a lot of? Um, are there a lot of differences country to country as to you know how progressive that is, or is it um, is it an issue in most countries? I think every country has um, a, a different maturity in terms of embracing inclu- inclu- inclusivity, mm-hmm. um, but overall. You know, directionally, I, I, what I'm observing is is a, a movement for the better. Um, I'm not seeing too many countries regress. Now, I also don't, you know, can't speak on every country in the world, but for the most part, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing change. I just wish the change would be perhaps a little faster. Whether it's for 
uh, for women in sport, LGBT, uh, LGBT, LGBTQ, um, um, you know, different groups for them to to break down barriers. Yeah. And, and so moving to, to things personally, because I mean, obviously, um, you know, when you're when you're an executive, most people know that that's a, that's a, a, a a real balance to start with, but, um, but you have a family, you have, you know, children, all of those things. Um, how has that been for you? Like how, um, how do you kind of balance the, the kind of heavy part of being, you know, in a executive role with also being, you know, having your own fitness and wellness and then family, how do you, how do you do that? I think there is no answer. I'm still searching for the answer. What, what I can say is, I do what I feel is right for my for my health and for my family first, um, but also my commitment, my dedication, and my passion for what I do um, at Adidas is also very important to me. And so it's it's trying to find that personal balance, which on some days weighs more on on my my work commitments, and on some days it weighs more on my family family time. Um, so there is no single answer. I'm afraid. I, I think it's more about um, being true to yourself and understanding what's most important and then, and then figuring out how to prioritize and balance. Um, I think the old adage of it takes a village is still very true. Yeah. Um, I've got a wonderful partner who um, helps me find that balance. And um, my kids are seven and, and, and four. Uh, so they're at a, at a moment where they do want to spend time with me. I'm sure when they get the teenage years, it's going to be less though. Um, so I prioritize this time. I, you know, I, I do enjoy making breakfast for them in the morning. Um, and, and that's time that's prized for me. So I carve that out and I don't take calls during that time. So I think you've, you've got to figure out sort of rules of engagement for yourself. And if I, for the most part, at least my colleagues, um, understand that and, and we work through it. And so I guess it'd be interesting to know when you, when you set, you have your goals, you set for the organization, totally get that. But, but yourself, how do you, like, are you a, I'm, I'm going to write down my kind of, you know, my own personal goals, whether those be career goals or whatever they are. Are you, are you the kind of person who writes them down and, and moves that forward or is, or are, are you just, you kind of let it flow as, as you go? No, I'm, I'm a bit geeky that way, uh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh, just a little joke. I, um, I've moved a number of times. So I've, I feel like I've left boxes at different families' uh, homes. And, and so, um, my uncle brought back a computer to me, uh, that weighed like a brick. But it's interesting. <laughs> I opened it up. It's, it's probably a 10 year old. And I found a spreadsheet with, with some of my career goals. Yeah. And, Thankfully, I'm tracking well against that spreadsheet. But I, think, <laughs> I, think I think it's important to dream. I think it's important to um, understand what makes you happy and what type of aspirations you want to you wanna, uh, chase. And then you can actually have a plan. You can, create, you can create a plan that has different building blocks and understand the critical experiences. Um, so I, I took a very academic approach to it, perhaps, that when I used to daydream when I was 20, and I said, okay, I want, I want this role. I would actually go online at those days, monster.com or yeah. other job boards. And I would find a job that actually excited me. And I would, and I would um, look at all the capabilities that are needed. And I said, okay, here I am. Here's what I need. What kind of tours of duty do I need to have? Critical experiences that I need to collect. And that would become my career plan. And so I went very structured in that, in that approach. 
Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that's helpful because then you can also share that with others. And I find for the most part, people will help you and give you feedback on, on how to get those goals. And um, did you find that, like, have you, it, it's interesting that you've been able to see that that far back. Um, did you find you really kind of changed as, as you matured and changed over time? Do those goals really kind of shift? Like, did, did you see some things thinking, wow, okay, I can see at that point, I really wanted to do that, but now that would not interest me whatsoever. Like, did, did you see much of that or do you do much of that over time? Yeah, I guess what I didn't forecast for myself was um, making as many cross-functional moves as I've made, um, or moving as many countries as I, you know, I always had an interest in international, in, in fact, a very deep interest. Yeah. But if, if, if you were talking to the 20 year old me, um, I don't think that at that point, I would say I was going to live in six different countries. Yeah. Um, and then quite frankly, when you when things change, you have big life moments, uh, my first daughter, and then I have a son, um, you just have to recognize that that treadmill needs to slow down a bit and your priorities shift um, and you have new, new perspectives. So you, you need to be able to be agile with your, with your career plan as well. How, how important has your international experience been to you in being able to, to be where you are today? I mean, I know a lot of organizations have really put a lot of um, emphasis on, on trying to have that before you kind of go into those executive roles, especially if it's an international company. How, how has that helped you so far? I think it's been hugely important and, and almost foundational in, in the way that I think about uh, global mindset, innovation, um, empathy. Um, I think I can be a strong leader because I understand uh, different ways of doing things. And it's not necessarily that, you know, because I lived in Hong Kong that I understand best practices in Hong Kong or Asia. It's more that you develop an appreciation of how you can solve problems in a different way, not just the Western ideology, but there are different ideologies out there. Um, and I think that's been invaluable. Um, and it's not just as Hong Kong, you know, whether it was in Germany, Australia, New York, um, you also get, you know, absorb the local economics or political ideology at the time. And that informs your thinking as well. Um, so if you're a person that, thrives on that type of learning, it's invaluable. You, you just can't learn that in an MBA or, or, or a book. Yeah, yeah. Well, so there's, there's probably, I mean, one thing that we ask everybody who, who comes on the show is, is a couple of actionable things. And I, I think they've probably taken lots of those away already. But um, I'm sure there are lots of people that are thinking that um, they – they want to either make that next move or um, whether it's a, a cross-functional move, whether it's maybe coming out of an industry into another industry, which may seem, you know, difficult to do um, from your experience. I mean, you've been successful at it for a long time. Are there a couple of things somebody could do right away to start that process to, to kind of kickstart and being able to, to, you know, maybe move into that other cross-functional or broader role? Yeah. I, I think first of all, um, not to be vanilla, but just have a, have a, have a plan. Right. Don't be a little bit more purposeful around um, what you want to do in life, whether it's two years, three years, five years down the road, just have a goal. And I think that when that goal is established, you can do a self-audit around what's missing. Um, and once you have that, then you can say, well, how is a cross-functional move going to enrich you? Right. So when I talk to HR professionals who often say to me, wow, you crossed over to a PL role, that never happens. Um, 
how can I do that? It's rare that at senior levels that you can make that crossover because the risk is higher. And so in my case, I was able to um, establish and, and create some trust with, with our senior leadership team. And certainly the CEO uh, felt that um, there's capability, leadership capability that I could port over. So I think building that trust and understanding who the decision makers are and helping them to see the unique qualities that you can offer is always a great thing. Um, I don't shy away with sharing my ambitions with colleagues and or senior decision makers um, because only then can they help you. They, they can spot opportunities, assignments, projects that would help you get that critical experience. Um, so, so have a plan, share that plan, work that plan. And working that plan is not just on internal, um, but also think about how externally you might have an opportunity to, to sit on a board. Um, maybe there's a, a course, uh, be part of networks. Anything that you can do to, to, to help uh, yourself close those gaps is, is really important. And then finally, I will say, um, be self-critical, but also uh, understand what your timeline is. And this is where I find people get a lot of angst especially uh, when I talk to internal folks within, within companies that I've worked at, um, they resign. And when you resign and go through an exit interview and you say, well, your plan was this, but they never had communicated that I want to achieve this in 18 months. And, and if your timeline does not match with your manager's timeline or your organization's timeline, then you're going to get it to an impasse. So I always encourage people, be upfront about that. And then be open to being reasonable because sometimes to develop that critical experience, it may require a little bit more time. Um, but that honesty, I think, leads to a, a more constructive career development discussion. And, and just um, one, one other thing is, is that uh, mentors. Um, did you have coming kind of through that path? I mean, I'm sure there's people you look to to be able to do that. People probably look to you in that way now, but um, did was that something that played a big role for you and as you kind of have tracked through your career? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, um, I've worked at a number of companies and, and people that I've met along the way continue to be my mentor. And so for me, mentorship is really situational. Um, sometimes people have one individual that they trust and they go back to that person, you know, over and over again, I kind of democratize that relationship and say, okay, this person in my organization is so well regarded for X that I'm going to go to that person to get that advice. Um, but I'll go to someone also quite junior in our organization to help me understand, um, how to master TikTok. I'm just being, you know, <laughs> yeah. here, but, uh, I think mentorship comes from all kinds of angles. I think what's most important is the underlying basis, which is be vulnerable, be open to learning and be humble. And that's the, that's for me has been the Holy grail. I think um, as I've switched over industries um, functions and I've gone from corporate to startup um, each, each time you have to reinvent yourself. And if you go in with ego or look what I've done, you're not going to get anywhere fast and no one's going to want to help you, quite frankly. But if you show your vulnerability, but also what you have so that you have the credibility to lead, I think that um, people will surround, surround you and want you to succeed. At least that's been my experience and, I, and I've been very grateful for those people. 
Yeah, well, it's refreshing that you kind of bring up that whole piece of, um, you know, being humble and, and being able to make sure that, um, that that comes across in your interactions with people. As a leader, that's, that's uh, you know, incredible to be able to kind of keep that relationship over time. I mean, you can, you can come in and maybe have an impact quickly, but that goes away pretty quickly if you, you don't have that um, you know, approach. So, um, it, you know, I, I, you know, I thank you very much for taking all of the time and being able to, you know, provide so much great, um, you know, advice and, and tips through this. Um, if people are trying to kind of follow, follow it, what's going on with you, Alim, and also obviously with the, with Adidas, um, what are some of the best ways of being able to do that? Yeah, my, my, my TikTok game is still uh, in the work, so <laughs> I'm not going to advertise that, but um <laughs> Uh, certainly LinkedIn, I'm very active on, on LinkedIn and um, I, I try whenever I have time to put out um, some thought leadership, um, but I'm always, I'm always interested in meeting um, interesting people and, and, and connecting with them on LinkedIn. Great. Okay. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll put that uh, on the show notes. So that, that way, if you do want to connect and follow and uh, you know, I, there's some great stuff. I mean, lately you've, you've um, I know had some really good stuff about um, how, how tough this is on organizations and people feeling, you know, the resiliency stuff as, as we're going through this. So it's some really great things that, um, that people can take away from as well. So um, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, do that right now, because we have great people every week, just like Aleem. And so uh, again, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your busy, busy day and uh, you know, good luck uh, over this year as, as you kind of keep the ball rolling on, on uh, your new role, Aline. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. I've uh, enjoyed our, our chat uh, and I appreciate uh, you having me. All right. And to everybody else, um, we will talk again on Big Idea, Big Moves. Thanks for listening to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. Be sure to drop us a comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at bigidea underscore big moves. We love to hear your feedback. Till next time, remember, big change comes from small, consistent actions.